You know, it's one of the... Oh, jeez, Rick. No. Uh, Morty, we need to get... You got to shove these way up your butt, Morty. Like, way, way up your butt. Oh, jeez, oh, okay, Rick. Rick. <laughs> okay, Rick. and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I am joined by our czar of source material, John. Hi. <laughs> I always, when it's just me and you, you never say anything like, show always has these elaborate intros. Yeah, I just, it's been a while since I just did the hi, just, so I, hi. I had to bring it back into rotation. <laughs> All right, well, tonight you and I are going to be discussing what I guess could be considered a bit of a niche subject to talk about, but I think it's something that you and I are, we, we looked at this and we thought, eh, maybe there's something here to talk about, so we're going to talk about it tonight. Um, you came across this article that is essentially a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, breakdown. A, yeah, a breakdown of a study that was done, I believe, last year. Yeah, it's from 2019. How... Yeah, of how adult animation has become the fastest growing category in animation, particularly in the West. Yep. And we thought it'd be actually be a good idea to like talk about this and number one, you know, see if it's right, and number two, think you know, pontificate about what it may mean for not only Western animation companies but for the anime industry going forward. Yeah. And it's just so when I came across this article, it was like 3 a.m. or something, and I was just scrolling through uh, Reddit, and I just saw this article, and I was like, "Hey, that's a topic idea, I guess." Because Castlevania just finished airing, or it just was released, so this is coming off the cusp of season three. Is that the newest season? Yeah, yes, yes. Okay, so season three of Castlevania just came out, and I was like, and I just watched it, and I was like, I loved it. So I, it was which I'd like I'd like to point out we are planning to do a full on episode of the first three seasons of Castlevania in this podcast sometime soon. Hopefully, sometime soon. No promises, schedule conflicts and whatnot. But it was just interesting because I was like, you know, when I think of adult animation, at least in the West, I don't really consider, or rather, I can't think of very many examples of it without including the fact that they're comedies, right? Yeah. I mean, when you think of, like, American animation, you think of one of two things. Either, like, Simpsons or Family Guy-esque, you know, raunchy adult-themed comedies or Disney movies. Yep. Which are aimed at children. Yeah. And this Western anime that we have, uh, I wouldn't say they don't all necessarily pull from anime inspirations. There are quite a few that kind of pull from anime stuff, which is kind of cool. Like, we do have a, even if it's not just adult animation, we do have anime, Western anime, like uh, the Avatar. Like, I can't... Uh, yeah, Avatar The Last Airbender, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that perfectly exemplifies that other than Avatar The Last Airbender. Maybe Ruby, because Ruby is uh, also Western-made. It's heavily anime-inspired. Yeah. Um, I, you, you might throw t- Teen Titans in there. Not Teen Titans Go. Fuck that bullshit. But... <laughs> 
Now, the original Teen Titans on Cartoon Network, I'm, you might throw in there is like a Shonen-esque inspired cartoon. Yeah, but uh, so the main thing is that a, a bunch of these Western animations and adult animations, it's very rare that we get anything that's not comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. With the exception of nowadays, it's it's kind of like, what was the statistic? Uh, 56% of the new adult animated TV shows are still comedy sitcoms. But the rest, the other 44%, are actually like split between Western anime, epic, superhero, horror, musical, action, yeah, sci-fi, a, and drama. A pretty diverse range, actually. Yeah, it's good to see that people are starting to consider using adult animation as a medium instead yeah, or, of like... Or using else. just using animation to tell adult stories. Yeah, and you know, it's something that you think of 10 years ago, even further back, 20 years ago, it was unheard of. Like, we barely had anything that we would consider adult animation the only thing i can think of would be like spawn the animated series yeah but that was that was like a rarity but that, that was like a, an outlier yeah a huge outlier huge when outlier. it originally came out uh but yeah we could we we tried before we started recording to actually find a statistic like this for 10 15 20 years ago and we could not find anything like that but just having lived through it at that time i would say you could easily say 80 to 85, maybe even 90% of the uh, animation that was coming out of the West back then was strictly comedy slash sitcoms. Yeah, like, I'm thinking back to watching Adult Swim, you know, in the mid-2000s, and we had, like, Mm -hmm. the Coast to Coast with Space Ghost, uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Hunger Force. Yeah, and we had, like, raunchy, like, just out-there comedies, but nothing really serious. They were just, like, satirical, and it was just funny, you know? Yeah, or farcical. Yeah, and when you think to now where we do have a diversified thing of using adult animation like um, Love, Death, and Robots, I think that's what that series mm. was called on Netflix. Yes. That one wasn't just comedy. It actually had some like pretty far-out stories. Some of them were actually sad and scary. It was really cool. I really enjoyed it. It had some pretty heavy themes in it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's fun. I mean, it, for me, as someone who is just as much as we talk about anime here and i think you are like this too like as much as we love anime we just are in love with animation as a medium for storytelling and it's really great seeing some of these like western studios embrace this idea that you know you can use animation for more than just you know settling kids down for an hour or you know fart jokes (laughs) yeah and uh it's still filled with fart jokes and like just crude crass humor. But I remember we were talking last night, I think it was where I talked about my origin story of like, I've always just liked animation. It hasn't always been anime, but I've always just liked animation. And to this day, I still love cartoons and I've never really grown out of it. And it's not cause it's, it's not that I, I don't like real life TV stuff. I do enjoy occasional real life shows. It's just, I like animation more because they're more yeah. interesting to me. Yeah, I, I think you could also visually tell a much more captivating story through animation than you can in you know with live action. Yeah, because you're not limited to what's physically possible to create. Yeah. with with animation, just time and budget at that point, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and talent. How much talent you can you know get on board with you, um, which kind of goes into budget. Um, but one of the things that the article. And the study itself mentioned as a potential like catalyst for the cause of this rise mm-hmm. may be in part due to the death of cable television. I would say the very slow death of cable television. 
And I think there's something to be said for that with the rise of streaming services. I definitely would agree with the article because TV is very restrictive, right? Like, think of a show like Love, Death, and Robots with all the gore, sex, and all that other random crap in it, you know. That stuff would never play in middle America, so not a lot of producers would be behind producing this. But Yeah, because you're not going to get any advertising for it. Yeah, but... You're not going to get advertisers to get on board to advertise during your time slot. Yeah, but with the advent of streaming services and the internet... We don't really have those type of restrictions anymore. You know, if someone doesn't want to watch something like that, they don't have to watch it. It's not like they, they're forced to, well, I've watched everything on Netflix, so I have to watch this thing that I don't want to watch. It's like, no, dude, no one is forcing yeah. you to do that. Go rewatch something you want to watch. Now, I like when it comes to anime in particular, like there's always that the thing about Toonami, right? Because Toonami has been around forever, and it, it's responsible for introducing a lot of people our age. Mm-hmm millennials um to anime growing up in the late 90s throughout the 2000s oh yeah before it got axed in like mid 2000 and then it came back <laughs> yeah and now it's i mean it's it's every saturday i, I look on there and like on twitter it, it's going to be something that is airing on tsunami is fucking trending which is great but I, I look at that and I think, like, how viable is that going forward? Because, I mean, I I have enormous love for Toonami and what it did, you know, getting anime out there to the masses, especially mm. here in the U.S. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it worked for me because for for many, many years, it was the only way I was watching anime yep. was the stuff that they would show on there. But then I, I, I look at where it is, and it's on cable television, and... I don't know about you, but pretty much any time now I'm watching television, whether it's cable or network television, it's probably to watch some sporting event that's on live. And I, I don't watch the stuff that networks peddle as, as like their dramas and their comedies anymore. I don't go on cable. T- I don't even have a I don't even have a cable TV subscription anymore. I still have cable TV because that's other people in my household like watching television. But I definitely agree. Um, but. There's also the fact that Toonami likes to play a lot of like uh, teen stuff, like shonen stuff. Like they, I remember they they were showing JoJo's on there one night, and I was like, "Yo, they showed JoJo's on this what? <laughs> JoJo's is on the West Coast. That's tight." But yeah, over the last like year and a half or so, they've essentially just shown all of JoJo's, and like, all that that's been animated so far. So parts one through five, and it's, and a, it's great thing. a lot of new people into the JoJo's fandom, and that's a great thing because. You know, there's a lot of Senin and Shonen that Japan pumps out that Toonami can just just keep licensing and keep making new fans of. So yeah. I don't think there's a problem with them doing that. Like it's you know, just like with us, a bunch of the shows that were on there were just introductory animes, you know, like yeah. easy to get into shonens like Dragon Ball Z, Inuyasha, well, yeah, a lot Yu of the show. A lot of the stuff that they showed in the late nineties, early two thousands were what we consider today to be like gateway anime. Yeah. Ava. And it's yeah, Eva. Uh, did they ever show Full Metal Alchemist? Yes, they did. Or was that Adult Swim? Oh shit, that might have. I, I don't can't remember. remember. I cannot remember. I'm sure someone listening to this will tell tell me that I'm fucking wrong. But I, I feel like it was Toonami, but I may have been wrong about that. I know that they were the ones that showed Fooly Cooly because they <laughs> fucking love that shit. They showed Fooly Cooly all over the place. Jesus Christ! But they also would show like um, anime movies. Like I remember watching. Yes. This might have been Adult Swim instead, actually. No, it was definitely Adult Swim because it was rated 14 and above. Because Toonami was, again, mainly just shown in like some stuff that might have been sent in, but it's mainly just shown in shows. Yeah. Um, but I, I just wonder how feasible that is going forward because, like I said, like 
television is dying a very slow death. And the only people who really watch it on a regular basis anymore are older people. And it's a, it's an it's a it's a demographic that's getting older and older and it's a demographic that these companies aren't really shelling out a lot of money to latch on to. I think it's, you know, everyone has their time, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I think Toonami, I'm glad that it came back and I'm glad that it can continue to induct new members into our cult-like following of uh, anime <laughs> worshipers. But, you know, if it's time, it's time because there's so many other ways to get anime and everywhere in other types of media, there's always anime stuff. So it's not mm-hmm. too hard to get into the industry anymore. You know, you didn't have to stay up late to go watch them at midnight. <laughs> I mean, you got things like Crunchyroll and 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 High Dive. Now you can watch it whenever you want. Yeah. So, which I, I think is is it's the way that things are going. It, it's more, it takes more of the consumer into account, more of what the consumer wants into account. But I would say this definitely plays into why adult animation is growing in, in market size, because now, like uh, reading that statistic, like Netflix, they can't rely on. Uh, <laughs> licensing content anymore so they've been that's why they're they've been slapping their name on everything and producing shows because they're like fuck we need to just make shows because no one gives us money i saw i i don't know i don't remember the exact number but about a year or so ago i read an article that said that netflix like takes out loans to the tune of like 50 billion dollars to create original content i'm thinking jesus christ that's like a fucking small company yeah well it is a small company I mean, I meant country, not company, country. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it's it's a strategy that seems to be working for them so far. Um, I remember it's been waxing and waning quite a lot. Like every every now and then, they'd be like, "Oh, Netflix is losing money." Then all of a sudden, fucking Tiger King comes out, and then Joe Exotic comes <laughs> is in everyone's lives during the quarantine, and now Netflix is like the number one show streaming services and shit like that. You know? Yeah. Um, so one of the things we, we talked about how for, for fucking decades now, uh, animation in the West has been mainly geared towards either children. And I would say probably largely towards children and younger people Yeah, or to like the raunchy, like, you know, sex jokes and fart jokes, comedy of the adult stuff like Simpsons, family guy, stuff like that. Um, for the, for the former with the stuff that was marketed towards younger people, a lot of that thrived on this idea of like marketability and licensability. It's easy to market something to children that's has nothing bad in it. Like it has no, no sex, no drugs, no violence and none of that stuff. It's easy to market that stuff to kids and advertisers will jump all over that shit. Yeah. Um, and then licensability, it's easy to license stuff to children because you can say, hey, there's this there's this cartoon you like. There's these 50 different toys you can now buy from it. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like with adult-oriented animation, that's going to be less so, especially with the licensability of it for third parties to make things like toys yeah. or you know other ancillary things that people can buy. But then I look at the anime industry and I think, well, the anime industry has actually made this work because there are some pretty like adult oriented, I won't say raunchy, but uh, anime that have violence and stuff like that in it that are still marketable. Yeah, that they come out with things like you know art books and figures and you know uh, plushies. I mean, I definitely think it's 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 kind of different for Japan. Because uh, they have diehard fans over there, right? That will buy literally every type of product you put out available. Uh, in the yeah. West, 
you're right. Like it's these adult animations aren't as marketable and they don't definitely sell as much merch as something like a kid show, like my little pony would to all types of audiences. But I, I don't think that's where it's going to be lucrative. I think the fact that adult animation in its own right is a really good form of entertainment is just enough. Like people are going to want more. Like when Castlevania season one aired, People wanted so much more of that. Literally the next day, they're like, okay, due to how much... Yeah, well, there were four episodes. I mean, <laughs> I would too. There was only four episodes, and but it was so good, though. And they're like, everyone wanted like, more. I feel like the first the first season of Castlevania was the, the creators of it, like, dipping their toe out there and saying, does anybody actually want this? And they saw, <laughs> oh, yeah, people fucking want this, so let's just pump some more seasons out. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's I feel like that's where the marketability is in adult animation. When you mm-hmm. have fans clamoring and foaming at the mouth demanding more, you don't need to sell that many products. People are going to want to just watch your shit. I think in Castlevania's case, though, it, it, it was a little... Um, different because it was based on an existing property. I don't think you may have seen that much attention gravitate towards it had it been a completely original IP. Now, I I would agree because Castlevania is one of the like uh, genre-defining games. You know, everything is Metroidvania. Yeah. Any type of platformer that is like Metroid or Castlevania or Metroid, those yeah, were it's, it's like considered a very iconic video game. Yeah, it's 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 a legend on its own. So you're right in that aspect, but it's still a viable method to get money. But I definitely don't think it's as lucrative, again, because I can't think of very many ways to get merch out there. Like uh, Attack on Titan, I see they sell that like Attack on Titan shirts and bags and stuff at like Hot Topic, right? Yeah. But I don't see. Well, and then there's I, also like there's um oh this is in Japan, but I I could I could see this coming to uh something similar coming to America or somewhere in the West where anime is kind of big. But like in Japan, they have Attack on Titan themed escape rooms. Oh, which is which is which is which is a method of of marketing. It's a super of, you know, like niche fucking <laughs> escape rooms on their own are very extremely niche. But that's that's weird. Mm-hmm. But I guess they would work I, in Japan. It's about like maybe four or five months ago, I saw an article about the, like an Attack on Titan themed like escape room, and I thought it's an interesting way to use your anime IP. But I mean, maybe it works. I mean, I like escape rooms; they're really fun. But people pay, people pay. You know, like yeah, <laughs> they're checking out different avenues that they can get money. Yeah, and I mean, maybe that's what this has all been leading to. Like these these companies, these American or Western animation studios maybe are just sticking their toes out there and just testing the waters to see is there actually a market for this and i think the more they actually try the more they'll probably find yeah there's a market out there for it there's an entire generation our generation millennials who have you know we found anime and we fell in love with it and now we're we look and we see these western companies trying to do the same thing and it sounds like a good combination i mean what do you have to lose? Yeah, and I think it's great that content creators have a new avenue to create content. Like, If you are a yeah. story writer and you wanted to make a screenplay, fucking try to make it into an anime instead, you know? See if it mm-hmm. works. Like, it's, it's worth a, a shot. Or a webtoon. Yeah, there's so many different ways you can express yourselves. But I, I just think it's great that at least it's not just, people don't think of it as just, oh, it's just cartoons or for kids anymore. It's a great thought. Yeah. 
you know, that, that is a great thought. And I, I think that's the best thing that could happen to the industry is for them to realize, hey, you can make stuff for adults without it being, you know, uh, Simpsons or Family Guy level character designs and not have to but uh, have a fart joke every five minutes to keep people entertained. Yeah, like, oh God, I I used to be a fan of The Simpsons and Family Guy. I mean, a, a lot of people were like <laughs> pre-season, what, six or seven? And uh, I, I and American Dad and all the like just stupid adult, adult. The Seth MacFarlane <laughs> The Seth MacFarlane, yeah. I used to like them all, and then in the recent years, I've just stopped watching it because it's kind of just boring now. You know, Seth MacFarlane is an anime fan. Yeah, he is an anime fan. (laughs) I'm just saying, a a Seth MacFarlane anime, I would definitely give it a shot, wouldn't you? (laughs) I don't know, because his style of, like, writing and comedy, it's always the same. Oh, no, I don't want a comedy. I want him to write a fucking, like, a drama, like an anime (laughs) drama. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know how well that would work out, but... Yeah. Hey, he's 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 writing and starring in the Orville, and that went from being sort of a comedy to like a really good sci-fi show. So, is it not pure comedy anymore? I, I always no. Thought it, was... it started the first the first like half of the first season was very satirical, but it's it's gotten away from that, and it's become like there's a really good sci-fi show. Huh? Yeah, I'm never gonna. I really it hope out. it doesn't get canceled, or if it does, someone picks it up because it it it's really good and it's it's actually proven to me that seth MacFarlane's actually a pretty good actor too <laughs> well i knew he was a good actor he's a good voice actor so it would i'd have to assume that he's actually just a good actor i would yeah i mean but he is he is he's been a good actor on that show but uh, yeah I, I, like someone like that who's had their their who's had their like life steeped in this western animation industry could could probably help bridge these two things maybe I mean, but what about how hard it is to create anime, right? We've always talked about how in Japan, it's super hard to create content as a studio because everyone's overworked and underpaid, and the producers who have all the money are just ridiculous overlords who demand the impossible. Yeah, or you have, you know, like, a photobull who just says, taxes, what are those? (laughs) Yeah, but how does the growth of the industry... I don't know how to phrase this. I think I know what you're saying. How, how did they avoid the same pitfalls that the Japanese industry has already faced? Yeah. I think the biggest one is you can't underpay your talent because if they do, or if you do, they're just eventually going to leave yeah. and go somewhere else, or they're going to get out of the industry entirely um, because that's what's happening. There's some animators in Japan who realize that there's very few companies that they can work for and make a wage that's even close to livable. Mm-hmm. And they just say, fuck it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go fucking mop floors or something. That. Cause it's like, like we talked about it just a little bit ago. It's this, this industry doesn't seem that lucrative, right? Especially since yeah. we're losing a lot of the marketability. Like we can't sell a bunch like, of merch. Yeah, you look at you look at like a like a Hollywood production, like, and I'm not even talking about like a top tier production, but you like for for like a B tier anime or uh, for B tier Hollywood movie, you're looking at like uh, you're looking at a at a budget of what a hundred million, two hundred million dollars. So it's got to make at least double that to be even considered profitable. Okay, and so. I look at that, and then I look at how much movie or how much money anime movies make in Japan. Yeah, and it's like an anime movie that makes the equivalent of something like two million dollars in in Japan is considered like a huge success. And I'm thinking, 
well, if that's considered a success and making a profit, God, how little are you paying your animators? <laughs> I mean, not very much, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah, it just seems like... I feel like a lot of people would be afraid to dip their toes into adult animation because the industry, sure, it may be growing, but it's pretty unstable. Like, you don't know what's going to be hot or what's going to be a flop. Um, and it just costs a lot of money to do animation, you know. It does. A lot of people don't realize how much money is sunk into it. And not up front because, I mean, you have the upfront cost of, you know, all the equipment it takes to make animation, all the computer equipment yeah. today. But then you also have the you know the profit or the the uh, salaries you got to pay the animators plus the marketing plus you know all the branding you got to do for your studio. Yeah, and it seems like unless you hit that sweet six season deal in a movie, six seasons in a movie, right? <laughs> for a show, that, that used to be that that used to be like the mark of success for an uh, intellectual property. Yeah, so it, it feels like because a lot of these shows don't really feel like they'll hit the six seasons in a movie mark, but it seems like they've. They'll grow enough in the first two My or three. My Hero Academia. Yeah, fuck, we're not talking about that. Um, <laughs> it just seems like it's fine, though, because as long as your animation is does really well for its first two or three seasons, it's mm. it's got a pretty good chance at like having a huge cult following at the very minimum, yeah. you know? Like, look, yeah. at, look at Rick and Morty and how big that show <laughs> fucking went off. And, you know, with all... Even, you know, even with the toxic fandom and stuff, but... You know, it's one of the... Oh, jeez, Rick. No. Uh, Morty, we need to get... You got to shove these way up your butt, Morty. Like, way, way up your butt. Oh, jeez, oh, okay, Rick. Rick. <laughs> okay, Rick. <laughs> but, but you know, that's one of the more adult, raunchy animations, but it's also got some pretty solemn moments, and it's a very solid show, right? But because of how good it I is... I mean, he turned himself into a pickle. It's the funniest shit I ever saw. <laughs> I swear to God, it's the funniest shit I've ever saw. The memes, the fucking memes. But I'm saying just two seasons of this show, all right? And not even the first... Just the first season alone created such a huge fucking cult following. And season two knocked it out of the park and it became a fucking hit. Like, it's still yeah. super big and everyone loves it, right? got so big they got mcdonald's to bring back the szechuan sauce yeah like literally the memes that came out of this adult animation show paid back how the cost of it in dividends is all i'm saying mm -hmm. and that's the type of success that they should be looking forward to you know like fuck all that six seasons and movie shit as long as you can make quality content that you're okay with that everyone else and then everyone else will enjoy it anyway you know yeah, and you and another thing they got to avoid is they got to avoid sinking millions of dollars into every single project. Like, not every single project is going to be worthy of millions upon millions of dollars of of capital. Like, know your audience. Like, if you are making something that's more niche, you know, you don't necessarily have to put a bunch of uh, of capital behind it. That's that that way. If it doesn't do as good as you think, it's not ru economically ruinous for your company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's something that i think anime studios tend to do they they tend to sink a lot of money into stuff that ends up not being that good and then it's just financially ruinous but you never know the, what's the gonna next be... thing has to be an enormous hit or they're fucked well it's because you don't know the market right like who would have thought that rick and morty with how stupid this show is not the <laughs> justin Roiland and dan Harmon definitely didn't think the show would be a hit as big as it is now like, they're like, yes. oh, this is just a stupid show that we wanted to make because we're fucking retarded, so we're going to make this show. And then they made it, and it became so big, right? 
Yeah. So that's proof enough, proof positive that you don't need a huge budget. You don't need to make it look amazing. You just need to make good content, content that people just yeah. like. Yeah, the writing has to be good. Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would call the writing of Rick and Morty good. <laughs> it's it's entertaining. It's entertaining, yeah. It, I, it's At some points, it's good. some points, it's like just stupid, but it's still entertaining to watch, so yeah. it's whatever. All right, well, to wrap this up, I want to ask the, la- the final question. So what do you think or what do you hope for all this growth going forward and what do you think it'll mean for western like studios and the anime industry because me personally i hope this actually leads to maybe a coming together of these two industries so we see some more like um i guess trans-pacific uh partnerships of these studios i mean i would love a situation where western studios and anime studios just combine and they're like hey we have the capital you guys got the ideas. Let's make it something for the entire world to enjoy. You know, like it seems like we've we've come such a long way since the '90s, where it was super hard to get anime, right? <laughs> you'd, yeah. You'd get like some shady fucking VHS that's copied, and you know, some poorly translated subtitles. To here we are, thirty years later, where literally four hours after something airs, we can get it translated, coded, and uploaded in 1080p over here on the or West. sooner or sooner it could be even up to like an hour after or two hours after it's crazy yeah. or or sometimes we get it here in the west before they see it in japan yeah like space dandy <laughs> well that's because space dandy was made for the west but point being i wish there was more crossover i wish that mm. the anime industry would open its arms these studios would reach out and try to contact western studios and i hope western studios are open to the, this idea where let's partner up with our East brothers and sisters and fucking make animation, you know, let's make some fucking what you're saying shows. is you want them to make anime great again. Let's make anime great again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, thank you out there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we sure enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on Apple podcast, YouTube, BitChute, SoundCloud, and Spotify. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can join us on Discord, Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Shoot us an email if you have any questions or if you have ideas for topics you'd like for us to talk about in the future. Links to all these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, John. Good night, John. <laughs> Good night, John boy. Come on.